This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're going to be taking a look at the upcoming production of The Odd Couple from the Westcliff Center for the Performing Arts. We have with us director Scott Chapman, Frosty Frostman, who's playing Oscar, and Ron Beckner, who's playing Felix. The play begins uh, May 11th and runs for two weekends. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Our pleasure. Scott, you're the director, so why the odd couple to lead off the season? Well, normally the first play of the season, which we call the season opener, is uh, something that's fun, entertaining, not too heavy, basically just to kick off the summer with some laughter and frivolity. The Odd Couple's been talked about over the years. I think back in 2009, I was in the female version of The Odd Couple, Mm. and it just dawned on us that the timing was good. We had the right actors, and we wanted to have some fun. This Odd Couple is the classic Neil Simon, the original 1965 Broadway production. 1965 on Broadway, Mike Nichols, who did such films as a graduate, directed. Walter Matthau was Oscar, and uh, Art Carney was Art Felix. Art Carney was Felix. Could that's, you imagine that? That's amazing. And that's over 50 years ago. How has this show aged? Well, quite well. There is currently a TV series with Matthew Perry from Friends uh, on TV. I'm not familiar with the other actor, but it was uh, basically a, a new television version of The Odd Couple. Mm-hmm. Now, most people in our audience will probably be familiar with the uh, Tony Randall, Jack Klugman, 1970s television show. Or the Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon movie. Or the 1968 uh, movie with uh, Matthau. Uh, how does the play compare to those, how, and how is it different? Well, uh, we have edited just a little bit for length. But we're doing the script exactly as written, with a few minor edits. As far as comparisons, Art Carney and Jack Lemmon are not the same people. (laughs) And and if you've always seen the movie, it's kind of hard to envision the guy who played Norton on The Honeymooners is doing, you know. So um, uh, it's, it's actually, we stick pretty close to Neil Simon's intended vision. And my job as a director is to complete the author's intent. And we've got two fine actors who bring off Oscar and Felix, who are pretty much 60% of the show. Great. Uh, now, Ron, you're playing the fastidious, uptight Felix. What's the most fun about playing such a character? You know, I I love this character, Felix. He's the kind of guy that um, I can kind of relate to in some ways. I do like things clean. I do like things neat. Ah, I'm not as orderly, maybe, as I could be in a lot of um, areas. But there is a cleanliness value that I do kind of hold dear to me personally. Now, when there are classic actors who have played that role like Tony Randall and Art Carney, do you take inspiration from that? Would you look at their performance ahead of this? Or does that get in the way? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I never got to see the Art Carney version, but I did see plenty of the Tony Randall version growing up. And for some reason, I always remember the episode where he uh, sold some theater tickets and he got arrested for scalping. (laughs) And he used the word assume in court. And he just told the guy that he sold the, or the the officer who arrested him, he said, so you assumed you made an ass out of you and me. (laughs) And I just remember that to this day. (laughs) Uh, Frosty, you're playing Felix's foil, the the careless and sloppy Oscar. How do you approach that character? Well, I I try to be sloppy, you know, and the, the reason I found this part 
attractive is because I am not an Oscar by nature. I'm not a slob by nature. And I thought, you know, it'd really be fun just to give that a try for a little bit, even if it's just for a few weeks. Now, my wife was probably concerned that I will take it too seriously and become a slob around the house. But I just thought it would be fun to just try being somebody that I'm not. And that, after all, is a, is kind of a welcome challenge for most actors. Scott? Well, I just wanted to make the point that these two gentlemen could easily switch roles and pull it off as equally as effective as, as they're doing the roles they're doing now. Um, they're both good enough actors to where it really didn't matter what they were playing, but I wanted to give them the challenge, and, and therefore we chose the direction collectively, and it, it's working out well. But let's not do the switch now. No, no, no. We're not <laughs> okay. going to know. Okay. We, we might be a little close to uh, opening night, you're, yeah. you're saying. Uh, let me ask a bit about Neil Simon. He was an amazingly successful playwright. He had four plays on Broadway at one time, and he's got a theater named after him. So uh, he also wrote comedy early on for Sid Caesar, your show of shows, with people like uh, Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner, good company indeed. When you first read this script, what is your reaction? Anyone? Well, I've was pleasantly reminded really how funny it was. Reading the play after being away from it for so long re- just reminds you that it is classic Neil Simon. It is a, a, a Broadway hit. It is uh, something that is well thought out. He writes for eight different characters rather fluently. And as far as I'm concerned, I would probably reference it as his best play. Uh, We've done, uh, like the female version before, we've done Barefoot in the Park. We've done Come Blow Your Horn, which is his very first Broadway production. But The Odd Couple is one of those plays that endears itself to everybody. Most everyone can relate to either Oscar or Felix in a affectionate or in a way that's probably just the opposite. So it's really classic, and and, and we hope that everybody will be reminded of how really great this play is. Frosty, when you first read the script, how, how did it hit you? Uh, one of the things I loved about it, the first time I read it, is, uh, you know, everybody knows about Oscar and Felix. If they know anything about the play, they know about Oscar and Felix. But really, there's a whole cast of characters in this play that are just really funny people. There are card players, because there's a weekly gathering of the poker club. Uh, and there are two English women who live in the same building with Oscar and Felix that come into play. And what, what's fun is to watch how the relationship plays out. The dialogue sounds really, really nasty much of the time, and that's just the way they love each other. I mean, it, it's just people who just keep get, getting on each other's case, and if they didn't love each other, they wouldn't do it this way. I've, uh, I've worked with Frosty on quite a few shows, and he's such a very likable person that uh, the audience really enjoys his interpretations. But one thing we've realized is that Oscar has kind of a mean streak. So I'm trying to get Oscar, as played by Frosty, to be a little bit meaner. And, you know, for him, it's tough. And, I, you know, we got two weeks to opening night, and I really think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I what really do you mean think. it's tough? What do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about here. Hey, uh, I can be as nasty Oscar, as anybody. Now, please. <laughs> Frosty, you mentioned the poker players, Murray, Speed, Vinny, and Roy. How did the poker players fit into the flow, and how are they important to the whole production? These six individuals, Oscar, Felix, and and the four players, have been doing this every Friday night for years. And, you know, when he mentioned the word contrast, these guys are not 
like each other. Uh, one's a cop, one's an accountant, one is not even married, you never even hear about his wife, and and the other guy, Vinny, he's uh, he's kind of a funny, no, no, kind of a, <laughs> kind of a guy. So they're all different, which makes the play uh, have a great deal of variety. At the same time, as uh, as as Frosty mentioned, that it's you would think that they couldn't possibly be friends by the way they're communicating. But the reality is they got all the, what I'd call the BS out of the way, so they just say what they mean and mean what they say. <laughs> I Googled copy of the script. It was 90 pages. It was densely packed with dialogue and stage direction. I always ask this question, what is your process for memorizing those lines and getting into character? It seems overwhelming. Well, do you have a half hour? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it, and it always, any any script you pick up in the first time you start reading through it and you think about the character that you're playing, the at least for me, the initial feeling is just one of, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with this. I mean, I've got to internalize all these words and then bring it to life and give some character to it. But fortunately, I'm retired because the reality is I'm a slow learner. So it takes me a long time to memorize my lines. But I'm committed to it. I mean, I love the theater. I love what the Jones offers to the community. I feel that the audience deserves its very best, and the only way they're going to get their best out of me is if I really put the hours and hours into it that I So here you have the hours to, to uh, put into it, and you're in a lot of plays. Uh, you and Scott were here just before uh, Tuesdays, at, uh, Tuesdays with Maury, yes. Ron, you're actually working, so you don't have all the time that uh, Frosty has. No, I don't get that luxury. <laughs> but it's one word, practice, practice, practice. That's and, three um, words. Since, yeah, but it was one word. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Do you want to argue with me? So basically, I drive an hour and a half every day one way to work. I live up here. I work in Pueblo. So I make sure that I'm listening to those lines on a recording and uh, all the way up, hard scrabble, and all the way down, hard scrabble, that's, every single day. Yeah, that's that's perfect. Plus, his brain is a lot younger than mine in Frosty, so I imagine he doesn't have as much trouble with memory as, <laughs> as I do at this point in time. You know, so, Gary, one of the challenges in learning your lines is it isn't just a matter of learning your lines. You also have to learn the lines of the people who precede every time you open your mouth. Otherwise, you don't know when you're supposed that, to speak. That's true. You need the, you need the flow. Uh, Scott, as the director, uh, I've got a question. How far in advance of the opening night does the director start with a play like this? I started actually putting audition notices in the paper the first week of February. And I held three or four auditions. There wasn't a real big turnout. So at that point, you have to start hitting the pavement. We did not receive a full cast until about three weeks ago. Oh, wow. So uh, I was uh, feeling very, very uh, way behind the eight ball, let's say. And Chris Ralph Maloney, who is now the owner of the theater and the board of, uh, board of directors, she made some calls, and we got some very talented people. I wasn't really allowed to touch other productions in, the, in their crews, but uh, Chris Tab and Dan Heister mm -hmm. have come on board, and of course, they're the ones who are presenting Shakespeare in the Sangres this year, uh, which begins in June, middle of June. I believe they're doing uh, uh, The Tempest and also a Moliere play. So they're quite busy. But since they're small parts, they agreed to come on, and because of their experience and acting abilities, we're very confident that we have the right people. Let me ask, uh, musicians, uh, I know, uh, personally feed off of an audience, and I know it's similar for actors, 
But uh, actors generally don't acknowledge the audience, uh, as opposed to musicians. They don't usually break that fourth wall. How does the audience interaction play out for, for you guys as actors? Well, you're absolutely right in terms of the actors playing off the mood and the, the aura of the audience. We're always very aware of what we're either hearing or not hearing out there. The only thing we have to be careful, uh, extra careful of with a comedy like this is if and when the laughter comes, and we're not going to hold our breath hoping it does, but if and when the laughter comes, we have to accommodate that. In other words, if we are in the middle of a dialogue, we've got to let that laughter play out a sure. little bit because we've got to finish the line and the line has to be heard. And you're after that laughter, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. and you don't want to cut the laughter yeah. short, but you don't want to let it, you don't want long pauses mm-hmm. after the laughter either. Mm-hmm. Right, and the acknowledgement of the of the uh, audience, if you will, it's always there for us. We know that they're there. We can see some of the people mm-hmm. in the in the closer rows, sure. you know, eye to eye. But as long as um, you don't let that be a distraction, let it be something that fills you up so you can entertain them. Mm-hmm. And as Frosty said, try not to walk on the laugh because they'll miss the next line if you do that. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I love it. The uh, dialogue in this production comes pretty fast and furious at times. The thing that really incites, excites me about the play itself is that th- these characters don't hold back. I mean, the, the, the jokes are, are coming, coming one right after the other. So if there is a great deal of laughter, the actors have to pause and let that die down. The one thing we try to do is make the set and, and the stage itself as, an, as, as closely vivid to the audience. We, we like to make them feel like they're in the living room with us. But the sets are extremely elaborate to every detail, props, furniture, everything. And we try to bring people into this world. And the minute the actors walk on stage, we know we have their attention. Keeping their attention is the goal. <laughs> and I know I've heard experienced actors say that standing ovations are a dime a dozen. But to be pretty honest, I would like to have one rather than not. <laughs> Remind us uh, of the dates and times. We open up uh, May 11th, which is a Friday evening at 7.30, followed with Saturday night, the 12th, at 7.30, and then Sunday, Mother's Day, the 13th. We do have a few prizes or a few gifts for the mothers who come out to the show on Mother's Day. I think there are some things that Chris Ralph Maloney is working on. The following week, we come back for another Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, same times on the 18th, 19th, and 20th. So there you have it. Gentlemen, thanks for stopping by. I appreciate hearing the latest. Thanks for having us. It's been fun. Thank you again. We've been visiting with uh, Scott Chapman, Frosty Frostman, and Ron Beckner, who are all associated with The Odd Couple, Neil Simon's play that will be held at the Jones Theater under the auspices of Westcliff Center for the Performing Arts. We'll see you next time on Valley Views. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 